0: I um, want to extend a Christian greeting to you all. um, And I just want to welcome the visitors here today as well. Um, And we can rejoice in the fact that today, whether we be from here or whether we be visiting, we can all serve the same risen Lord. And, you know, um, I don't consider... Public speaking, my forte. In fact, my my um, message today is going to kind of have a, a shotgun effect or a medley um, of stories, and and it has to do with leadership. And I had to think about Moses, and I'm thinking about adopting one of his policies. I thought it was a great deal. He he complained to God that he doesn't think that he's a good speaker. And God said, hey, I'll elect your brother Aaron to help you out. And so if you don't mind, um, maybe I'll find someone else to take my place. Um, because, and I, and I don't. I don't want to consider it a burden because I shouldn't. I should consider it an absolute privilege to bring the word of God and share the word of God with you. Because we do have a message that is worth sharing today. Um, I've got it up here. I'm still struggling down here but it is it is something that i want to i want to deal with and um today um there's a lot of history involved and i think that that history is important i don't think that life is 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 long enough to make all the mistakes myself and so therefore i should learn from history um i would i have a friend from from australia and he's horrified with the amount of, the lack of knowledge of history in the American society. He says that we don't, we don't understand, we don't even care about history. What's the matter with us? Um, and I've actually got a quote here that I'm going to start out with. And, and Abraham Lincoln supposedly made this quote. And he says, I have been driven many times upon my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. My own wisdom and that of all about me seemed insufficient for the day and therefore he turned to God. So I consider Abe Abe Lincoln as a fairly important monument in our history. One night we had Mark Shaw, my Australian friend, over for supper. My sister actually had him there. And we were sitting there as a family eating and and we had some other guests there as well. And, and he was feeling like the other guest wasn't quite included as much as he should have been. And so finally he turns over and, and, and the, the friend, the other friend was eating food and he was really enjoying it. He was a single guy and he didn't get good food all the time and, and he was really enjoying his meal. And, and he turned over to his friend and he said, Now Grant, do you have the same concept as I do? That Abraham Lincoln was the worst president in United States history, and afterwards, I mean, the the, um, the the table kind of fell quiet for a little bit there, and afterwards we discussed it and we we're kind of chuckling about it a little bit, and he he was horrified. He said, "You know, Grant only missed about one bite <laughs> before he continued eating. You know, it, it didn't bother him at all, but." that Mark Shaw considered Abraham Lincoln the worst, worst president in United States history. I don't, I don't um, endorse that concept at all. I mean, I, I, still, I still favor the idea of Abraham Lincoln being a great man. Did he make mistakes? Absolutely. And that is, that is the thing that, that I would like to come to. I think we as leaders, I think we've only had one leader in in man's history that has never made a mistake and we can be the most qualified leader that ever existed but we have never come close to matching Jesus' example and his ability to lead. Today's sermon I would like to keep simple. Um, Dad had this practice that he made the comments already and he said I like to keep my sermon simple enough so that children can understand. That way, if the children can understand, all of us can understand it. And I, I think that's important that we, we um, recognize that. Um, I didn't know exactly where to start, and I didn't feel like I should, I should go too far without having some kind of a scripture reading because the Bible is an important part of any, any um, sermon, any message that needs to be preached. The Bible is an important, and it should be the focal part of it. Um, first of all, this message was pretty, pretty hard for me to, to preach because the more, and I think as you, as you um, follow along with this message, I think that you'll understand why it was hard for me to preach it. And simply, the more that I look at it, the more I see where I'm lacking. And, but that still doesn't take away from the responsibility. So what is a leader? I didn't even like Merriam-Webster's definition of it. It says, a person who leads a member chosen to manage activities in a legislative body. Pretty bland. But I did, I did like another one so much better, and it says a good leader possesses a clear vision, is courageous, has integrity, has honesty, is a humble person, and has a clear focus. Great people help people reach their goals, or great leaders help people reach their goals, are not afraid to hire, and this is, this is from a, a secular viewpoint, and so this isn't the necessarily a biblical teaching, and yet I do believe it is. It says, great leaders help people reach their goals, are not afraid to hire people better themselves, and take pride in the accomplishment of, of those, people that they help, those people that they help along. And I believe that is, that is what we want to do. We want to we encourage people to an onward and upward path. And in order to do that, Theodore Roosevelt made the comment, he says, people, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. And I believe that's, that's the thing that we sometimes lose focus of. We, people don't know that we care. And maybe we don't care. That's even worse. <clears throat> um, at the um, my appointing, of the decomposition my my good friend Floyd Martin was here and he made the comment um, about reading Joshua 24 and i thought that i'd read read that today and if you care to follow along i'm planning to read from Joshua 24 verses 13 to 29 <clears throat> and basically he's 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 talking about what a good leader should want for his for his people. And I think Joshua wasn't blind to the, um, to the tendencies of people. I think after, did he serve 40 years? I'm not even sure, but I think he might have served 40 years with, um, amongst the children of Israel and he knew their tendencies quite well. And I don't think that our tendencies today stray that far from the, uh, the tendencies of the people in, in Joshua's time. Joshua 24, verses 13 to 29. And I have given you a land for which ye did not labor, and cities which ye build not, and ye dwell in them of the vineyards and olive, gar- olive yards which ye planted not to, do- to not do ye eat. And I think that's something that we can think of today. You know, um, none of this that we have today, we don't deserve anything of it. God gave these blessings to us, and not because that we deserved it, not because that, well, you know, our parents and our grandparents did what was right in his sight, and so therefore we automatically deserve it. No, he didn't. I mean, no, we didn't. Now therefore fear the Lord, and serve him in sincerity and truth, and put away the gods which your fathers served on the other side of the flood, and in Egypt, and serve ye the Lord. And if it seem evil, and if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the god of the Amorites, in whose lands ye dwell, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I think that's something that we need to recognize today as well in our hearts. We think that we don't bow down to any, any gods. And we might not have any images up on the wall. Or is it up on the wall? Um, we might not have, we might not have um, any, any idols. We don't have any concrete, concrete images that we bow down to. We don't have a, we don't have a, a Mother Mary that we worship. But do we actually, are we actually idol free in our lives? <clears throat> and then, then I appreciate the way that he says, but as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord. He had a clear vision. He wanted to, he knew exactly where he was planning to go. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord, our God, he is it that brought us up us up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage in which did those great signs in our sight, and preserved us in all the way wherein we went, and among all the people through whom we have passed. And the Lord drave out from before us all the people, even the Amorites which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is an holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor your sins. If ye forsake the Lord and serve strange gods, then he will turn, and do you hurt, and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourself that ye have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. Now therefore, put away, saith he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel." And the people said unto Joshua, The Lord our God will we serve, and his voice will we obey. So Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and set them a statue and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto all the people, Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto it, for it hath heard all the words of the Lord which he hath spoken to us. It shall be therefore a witness unto you, lest ye deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man into his inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died being 110 years old. And the people lived happily ever after. Oh, it doesn't say that, does it? No. It does. If we read, uh, my wife and I have been reading the Bible in a year. And we're marching through... We went through Kings, Chronicles, and we read. It's discouraging to read about it. But, on the other hand, I see ourselves in so many of, of the facets of, of life, you know, that I can see myself in that, and that's what makes it so interesting. Um, so, you know, what does God want from His church? First of all, what does he want from his leaders? And so I went, and, and I knew that, that David was a man after God's heart. In Acts 22, I think in, I don't know, verse 30 or something like that, it talks about that. And it says that David was a man after God's heart, what made him special. Um, and this is the list that made David special. Reading through Psalms and Kings, we can see that there was humility in David's life. Humbleness. Yeah, that's a good attribute to have. I think that's something that all of us should practice. And especially leaders. He was a reverent man. He was trusting. Even in the times where it looked like life was overwhelming, he was still trusting. He was loving. He loved his people. He was devoted. I think if there's any of us that question his devotion, let's see how many of you have wrote 120 psalms or however many psalms that he wrote. Um, I know that not all of the psalms were written by him, but I would think that there was probably at least 120 chapters. And I don't think that any of us have gotten close to showing um, our appreciation or love for, for, for God or Christ. He was faithful. He was obedient. And guess what? He was repentant. I think that's something that all of us need to address because you know what? We as leaders are not above anybody else. We make mistakes as well. <clears throat> we need to be repentant. I think most of all, he, was, he, he knew God's will. And he wanted to live in God's will, and I think that hasn't changed a bit. God still wants us to be in His will, and He wants us to seek His will. and And I think we as leaders sometimes lose focus of our vision, or maybe sometimes we never had a vision, and that's even worse yet. And I think that's that's why um, we don't need we don't need to be lords in order to be leaders it, um, I, there was another quote that i le- uh, read and and there again this was this was from a secular secular viewpoint but i still think it was it's also scriptural it says leadership is not about titles position and flow charts it's about one life influencing another so that means that the leadership position applies only to Eldon, Dwight, and I, doesn't it? Not true. Every one of us are leaders. Well, I don't know if Zachary is. He might be exempt, but you know, every one of us are leaders in some capacity. You know, those those of us that are husbands, we're leaders of the homes. Those of us that are mothers, we have a huge impact on our children those of us that are older siblings. Oh, Hannah, you're the baby, so that doesn't apply to you. Nope. Hannah, you're a leader. You're a leader of your nieces and nephews that look up to you. Every one of us have got that ability to be leaders. And and there was another quote. I'm 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 quoting way too many quotes. But there was there was a it was, it was just refreshing to me to, to walk through there. It says, leadership is not the ability, and there again, I'm going to screw this up because I didn't write it down. Leadership is not the ability to see how many followers that you can get. Leadership is about producing new leaders. And that is what I would like to encourage from each one of you, is to be the leader that God wants us to be, um, because... Because every one of us are leaders, whether we be an older brother or sister, whether we be an uncle and aunt, whether we be, you know, we we like to think that leadership only starts once we reach a certain age. No, nope. We've all gotten we've gotten that um, we've all gotten that leadership ability, and what we make out of that leadership is is up to us. <clears throat> and now. We read about David. He's a he was a right man in God's eyes. He had his faults, but now we read further into into Kings, and it didn't take long. and And Solomon he was the wisest man out there, and yet somehow he hooked up with seven hundred wives and three hundred concubines or whatever it was. I mean, it, it was a pile, and. You know how would that be possible for somebody that was as wise as he was? Um, And then there was there was Rehoboam and Jeroboam followed him because um, Rehoboam thought that he'd like to tax, keep on taxing the people, and they didn't really appreciate that. So there was two two um, kingdoms started, and Jeroboam was the leader of the other one. And now this is something that the fear of man. I see that in my life, where, you know, I kind of like to be liked by people. And in about 2 Kings 13, I believe it is, is that, that Jeroboam made this comment. And I don't think that we have to worry about that today, but we think that our character can be killed. He said, if these people from Samaria go down into Jerusalem, they're going to be... You know, they're going to come back and they're going to be dissatisfied and they're going to kill me. I got to figure out a way somehow to keep these guys occupied. And so he said he set up two places um, in, in Samaria to, and he said, uh, well, he actually took counsel. And this is something that I wanted to talk about is that leaders need to surround themselves with counsel, but with godly counsel. Because he took, Jeroboam took counsel. And, he, and they told him that, they said, hey, yeah, we'd advise you to set up some calves out there. Those are the people, those are the gods that led you out of, out of um, bondage. Really. And it didn't take them long at all. So they went ahead and worshiped them. And over and over, I think, I don't think that I would be lying, and I, I, I think I'm on the low side I think I would have read, going through Kings and Chronicles, I think I read at least ten times that it says, um, it says, and Jeroboam, the son of Neb, and, there, um, and this king, let's say it was his grandson, his great-grandson, whatever it was, and it followed in the way of Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, and that he did that was the that was evil in the sight of the Lord and made Israel to sin. Isn't that sad? It followed him from generation to generation. And, and when, when I was an, um, an Amish child growing up, in the Catechism, we learned that it said, how many, how many just kings were there in, in Israel? Um, and it says they had, I think, 33, I believe it was. I don't even remember exactly. But none of them were righteous in God's eyes. And that is really, really sad. And, you know, it all started out with one leader that was corrupt. It, it, it all started out in heading in a direction that, that he was not planning that it goes. And I think that that's something that we need to be conscious of. We need to have a vision. Um, and... And, and the next point that I'd like to bring out was that most of the time, it didn't start out with just the leader. Um, Josiah, we read about Josiah. He took, the, he took the leadership position at eight years old. And I don't think that many of us, I don't, I don't see, Caitlin, how old are you? Are you 10? You're 11. Um, well, Carson, are you eight? No, you're nine. Okay, well Carson's pretty close, but you know I don't really think that Carson would be able to. Now maybe he would be. Maybe he's, he, he's more of a man than I thought that it is. I'm sorry, Carson. I'm not I'm not downplaying your importance. But what I'm saying is that most of the time, eight years old people don't have the ability to to make you know a God-given decisions. And it says that, that Josiah was a man after God's heart. And he did that which was right. What did Josiah do? And I think part of that happened in later years. It wasn't just in when, he, when he was eight that he immediately proceeded to cleanse the temple. But he, he tore down the groves that were, were um, made for Baal. He went ahead and he killed the high priest um, of Baal. Um, he, he basically did a house cleaning. Gideon was a, was a judge. And, and he took ten men and he snuck around in the middle of the night. And, and, he, and he went and tore down the groves. And he tore down the, down the um, image of Baal. Kind of upset a lot of people. And you know what, it was, it was completely contrary to what most of us would like to do. You know, I don't, think, I don't think that Gideon was in the position to write a book about how to win friends and influence people the night that he did that. I don't, I don't think that people really cared for that. Um, but yet it was the right thing to do. But he had people, I believe, that were surrounding him. People that were helping him in the right direction. And that is my prayer today is that folks I'm gonna need your help. I'm gonna need your help to to make sure that our idols and our our, our groves are not present in our churches today. Because I I think all of us have a a common goal. And I hope that all of us can not um, make a, a single-pronged effort at it ourselves, but that we can help each other um, through this thing. <clears throat> you know, um, I knew that this is, was, I wasn't going to be able to make it all the way through, and I, I think that is that is wonderful because... I don't think that there's ever a point where we're going to be able to expound on the word of God and get hit all the points. We don't need to. You know what? We're trying to help people in a direction and point people in a direction that that will help them this week. Hopefully, help them point them in a in a in a way towards eternity that'll that'll you know um, better their life somehow. I had I had thought about. Reading Proverbs 16 yet, um, and that was not necessarily directed at at leaders, and yet it is. It's directed to something that all of us can can really benefit from, and I believe that. And it's good reading that we should all that we should all take time and read. Um, a little more recent history, which <laughs> Alexander the Great was still a long ways. Um, back there, I mean, I think this—if I remember correctly—Alexander the Great was somewhere in the th- mid-300 BC, and and he rose to power in, in when he was 20. He marched through um, well, basically everything that was that was um, modernized or that was, yeah. That was part of culture at that point in time. He started at 20, and by age 33, he had basically marched his way through Asia and Northern Africa. And at 33, he sat down and cried because because there was nothing else to win. There was nothing else to conquer, and he died shortly thereafter. And I think that's something that, that we have to understand. True leadership does not occur just because that we have the power to do something. It's about making leaders. Um, and, and it was a very, very true thing after, after he died, I think it was within the first three or four years, there was civil, civil war unrest, and it, it all crumbled under, under underneath him. And I believe that that's something, if we don't build on that rock, of our salvation, I think afterwards, we can be the best known leader in the world. And if we aren't building on that sure foundation, which is Jesus Christ, I think it will crumble underneath us. And that's, that is something that I wanna remember. Um, in closing, I'd like to, to touch on a verse that, that a brother here in church told me about. He was encouraging me in the way that I should go. And he said, at Norman, it's not that hard. Just practice 2 Timothy 2.15. Study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. That's my prayer that I can do that. Let's pray for each other.